episode four. We're back again. Having been back the previous time after a long absence, we're back again after another long absence. We need to be it's better been, at this. It's been way too long. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was very nice when um you came back from Flutter Vikings, Tom, and said how many people were desperately longing for episode four of Flutter Twattle? Twattle? Oh, still don't knows? know how to we pronounce still, the We still don't know. Um, I still want it to be Twattle, but I think it's probably Twattle, but nah. yeah. Um, yeah, It was so lovely. I had a couple of people come up to me and be like, yeah, hi, uh, do you do that silly podcast? We really like it. Um, including Majid, who was the organiser of the conference, who said that he uh, goes on walks and listens to us. So uh, yeah, I hope you're uh-huh. enjoying your walk at the moment. Um, and yeah, it was it was really really lovely to to hear that w- people actually listen to this shit. So I know. <laughs> it's, it's almost as if we're like intelligent professional people. Um, oh, no, 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 let's not go that far. But 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 this time we have done. The, the, you can tell that we're an actual professional podcast now because we have a mm. guest for the first time ever. Uh, right. Luke, would you would you like what? to briefly introduce I'm your first guest? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no did you idea. not know that? No, I did yeah, not the, know that. This is fantastic. Th- this has just been yeah. us chatting nonsense it's all, before. It, it's it's going to be all uphill from here. Everyone after <laughs> me is going to yeah. be better. <laughs> all right, so short version is um, I'm a software engineer at Tonal, and I focus on Flutter in the day-to-day. I've been doing that for the last few years. Uh, I'm also a Twitter shit poster, and apparently I stream on Twitch now too. So that's a thing. <laughs> Brilliant. I do enjoy your Twitter shit posts. It's, yeah. Um, I I think the reason I I wanted to bring you on because last time uh, we were talking about the multiple existential crises that I've found myself in 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 my sort of Flutter development uh, journey and software development journey in general, and um, one of them was to do with like how to test apps and i like your opinions on how to test apps on twitter i think they are refreshingly not like everybody else's um although i think a lot more people are now coming around to uh to 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 this approach of you don't need to like get 100% code coverage you don't need to test every single line. You don't need to test every single class in isolation. You can just do the practical thing and write a few integration tests and you'll probably be fine. Um, and so, so after, at, at the end of last, the, the last episode, I was going to say last week's episode, but it definitely wasn't last week. <laughs> much years much episode, longer yeah. ago than that. Um, I, t- uh, Tom gave me some homework, which was to... Uh, investigate Riverpod as a mm-hmm. state management slash, I don't know, general package solution for for writing writing Flutter apps, and uh, I did that, and literally within two weeks, I have like told my entire team that that's what we're going to use going forward. We were using like Block before and doing um, sort of high code coverage and um, sort of fairly strict clean architecture things. And so then you were drinking the VGV Kool Aid, is what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, then I used Riverpod for like a day, and I I seem to remember messaging Tom, just being like, "Oh my god, this is like the best thing ever! I can just build features so quickly, um, and and like. test them so quickly as well." Uh, so I'm happy that I've had a bit of a bit of an epiphany there, but um, yeah, I, I I I think that's kind of why I wanted wanted to bring you on to, to sort of get 
uh, some controversial opinions in the air, which I which I'm excited. Yeah. About. So before we kick off, kick this off, there's a couple things I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was my background growing up, um, including like my education. Um, I went to a extremely liberal private high school, um, and part of my education there was that they taught us to always play devil's advocate. Um, and so that has like really gone into my professional life. It seems like where if I run into a situation where I'm seeing people doing something, I don't understand why I start to argue in favor of, um, and then that leads me to conclusions that I did not have before. Does that make any sense? It, it does to me. Cause I, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very much the same. If I, if I, when I come in, if I've come into a team and they do things a certain way, I always like to go. Uh, why? Why do you do that? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, big fan of that kind of thinking. And on top of that, I start like if if I come into a project um, and I see something and it seems insane to me, then I start making arguments in favor of it. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not even necessarily it's not even necessarily like why the hell are you doing this thing? It's like I start <laughs> okay. to write out arguments in favor of. So I even okay. go a step further. So hang on, so so you try to support the the thing you think is insane. Yeah, exactly. And then well, take I try it to, to its extreme to make. I take it to its extreme, it. and the reason for that is because if I look at something and I'm like, "This is crazy. Why are you doing this?" Right? That's my own opinion. But if I start making arguments in favor of the thing that's crazy, and I can actually start making sound arguments, then I've learned something. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Yeah, that makes sense. So cool. I think that's a really important lens to like look at my tweets through, right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, for example, the test, the code coverage thing, the testing thing, like when I first started writing those tweets, I was coming from a context of believing in 100% code coverage. And I started seeing another way of doing things and it was making me really uncomfortable. So I started making arguments in favor of the things that I was uncomfortable with. And through that process, I was able to come to, for me, like a better understanding of what the merits are. Okay, this now feels a bit like Inception of how many how many layers are we down of, of like right. your thinking and what what do you right. actually think? <laughs> like, yeah, so it's the it's always the boring engineer's answer, which is it depends, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, that old chestnut. Okay. Yep. So so it so. It, it depends. Thank you for listening by everyone. Like, yes. Right, exactly. So I think, I think the way I think about this now is in terms of, you know, either what, what the business is trying to accomplish um, and, and, but I think the bigger thing is how far along you are and how big is the team, right? So if I were to jump into a big company like, I don't know, any of the big tech companies and I was like, we should have no code coverage and we should do Q, like human QA only um, and we're just going to you know, look at quality metrics and push forward. Like there may be a couple people who would be interested in hearing that, but I feel like a lot of people would just not be interested in it because it wouldn't necessarily make sense. Because if you have like a small mistake, you're affecting, like if you have a small mistake that affects 10% of your customers and you've got a billion customers, like that's a whole different thing. Like that can end up in the news, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Versus if you are maybe, I don't know, well, let's say 10,000 customers, right? You maybe hit a mm-hmm. thousand people and of that, you know, they'll just let you know because they know that you're small and they're like, hey, I had this problem. And that's the end of it. Do you know what I mean? So there's like a lot of context here. 
Mm. Um, but when it comes to making the arguments, I like if we were to approach this from like a traditional debate um, format, you know, then I would happily take the stance of I will argue in favor of low coverage because I feel like I have a pretty compelling argument um, that does not get heard very often uh, because so many people are in our community are just all in on 100% code coverage, um, unit test code coverage. And, and I would say that 90, 95% of the time that's not valid for what most people are using Flutter for. Mm. I'm, I'm curious about this um, because uh, despite my sort of big change in approach, what I actually found when I started, when I uh, switched my my approach to writing apps and, and testing apps, what I found was that it made testing easier and made getting high coverage easier because of the way that I was writing tests. I was writing tests at a higher level, um, doing integration testing instead. And so actually, I've recently been working on an app uh, and I have maintained 100% coverage throughout the whole project just by writing integration tests for all the features and, and the tests sort of uh, validate the sort of end user behavior and I'm not mocking any of my own code and, and that sort of thing. Um, and my feeling is that when it's that easy, why not? So I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good, uh, really good question. What I will say is that 100% code coverage, that phrase is incomplete, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was this example, I don't want to call out anyone explicitly, um, but there was this, uh, there was this JavaScript framework um, that had a website, right? And on that website, they had a way to essentially become a paid member and get uh, like professional concierge support, okay? And they had 100% code coverage on their code base by essentially saying, can you log in and check out? And does does it sh- like does the does the actual payment show up in Stripe, right? And so, and that was like when I heard about this, I think it was like a hundred line test, right? Mm. It was a hundred line test that like covered everything that they needed, and it was one hundred percent code coverage. Um, but then you can say like, how deep do you want to get? Like, if you wanted to go through and like test at, like that every button responds to a tab. Do you want to test that every component has like the correct constructor? Um, and in our case, it'd be every widget has the correct constructor and the constructors have very specific items in the constructor. Um, and you like, if you want to get that deep, that's still hundred percent code coverage, but like, so they're not the same. Both of those things are hundred percent code coverage, but they're not the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that saying that you should strive for hundred percent code coverage is you know, highly misleading, right? If somebody online says you should have 100% code coverage, it's like completely meaningless. Mm. And and you can have 100% code coverage and the thing doesn't work. Like like you complete you can completely do that. And 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 ultimately yeah. you can you can have 100 tests which are less useful than one kind of more integration end-to-end um type test. Right. And and I'll I'll give you an example and, and I hate to do this because um, you know, I sincerely have nothing against very good ventures, but when they released their IO pinball app, it was like an hour later, people were like, Hey, I can't save my high scores. 
right? And the thing had 100% code coverage, but you couldn't save a high score. You know, like, mm. that's crazy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and they had to, like, do a hot fix, like, right before I.O. I, I think what you were saying about that, that website is, is completely kind of in line with my thinking. Um, because, um, so... Uh, plug we just uh, released a, a new burger king burger king finland app um in flutter um which i'm quite proud of it's quite nice and um we have quite a few tests there but they're almost all widget tests and the most important test by far is the test that loads the homepage. Uh, goes to a restaurant adds some stuff to the basket configures a complicated meal uh, goes to pay for it and check that we checks that we send the right JSON to the server because in the end that's all that really matters. Like yeah. you know, fine, we do have tests for like you know updating the the user details and things like that. But in the end, you've got to look at what the app primarily is for, and that's the thing you should start testing and doing. To, for, for me, doing integration tests there to make sure because ultimately all that matters with with the vast majority of apps is the app gets the right JSON from the server, shows something to the user, user presses a button, send the right JSON back. Like almost all kind of like consumer apps at least do that. And and yeah. that's what we need to check that the ultimately user presses button, button sends right JSON to server, game over. There we go, done. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, oh God, I've started ranting already. <laughs> and like, no, I, I <laughs> Good. Um, and I, I, I feel like we're all in agreement, which is a bit boring here. I was kind of hoping that this is this was going to um, kind of kick off into a big argument, but um, turns out we all we all think the same thing. Maybe we can find something that we disagree with. Um, well, one thing I can add to this, yeah. um, maybe heat things up a little bit, is that mm. I think it's important to think about where the information is coming from, right? Yeah. So, if the information is coming from an agency, their context is completely different from a product company, right? Mm -hmm. So a yep. product company has a very different set of needs when it comes to testing. Yep. Um, an agency is often building something, handing it off, and then they either never want to touch it again, or they want to be the person who gets called back to continue working on it. Mm -hmm. So they may have a vested interest in you know, building essentially like a mental framework around how the entire app is built such that there's almost vendor lock in when it comes to trying to write that second contract. Mm -hmm. And I think that's I, why you oftentimes see a lot of frameworks um, coming out of agencies. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I need, because I need then they can provide that. training. They can basically say, this is the best way to do it. Um, if you want this done in your app, then you are going to pay us to come in and essentially like airdrop this architecture into your application. <laughs> and then when you need to like scale it out and you don't know how, then you have to call us to do that <laughs> as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I it makes for great true. content too. So mm, this is true. That's true. Yeah. Um, one thing I find interesting is that, um, there's not a big discussion on telemetry in the Flutter world. Um, everyone's always talking about, you know, you should hit certain code coverage, your code coverage should look like this. Um, but there's not a lot of discussion about uh, tests as part of a feedback loop. Um, and so I think that's really fascinating because we always do tests and 
quality as part of a feedback loop. Um, and one of the most critical parts of that feedback loop is having good telemetry. Um, and I find it really fascinating that there's very few people that, you know, go hard on talking about telemetry as being part of your quality control strategy. So, so when you say telemetry, are you talking about uh, like performance monitoring and crash logging and yeah, all that, that stuff kind yep. of thing? Yeah, and it can yeah, be as and, simple and... as um, it can be as simple as you know, you get a flutter error, like maybe a widget doesn't paint correctly, and in debug it'll show up as a red screen, but in the actual app it shows up as a gray screen, and just notifying people that that has happened in production, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. And like trying to avoid that happening by writing far too many tests and getting your knickers in a twist about <laughs> really, really increasing the code coverage when sometimes you just need to ship the damn code. Um, mm. I, I think it's it's often better to, to have something small fail in production than to aim to ship something that's perfect and spend weeks and weeks and weeks trying to get there when it's really... No, no, nobody ever ships anything perfect. Um, no. Always, Every time that something. I've tried to write high code coverage to iron out all the edge cases, there's always been something that I've missed. And I've always missed it because I've been so confident in my test that I didn't exercise it myself. Yeah. yeah been, there, been there, done that. Yeah, um, the, the number of times that I've written a, a bug fix or a feature and then written a test for it and then thought to myself, okay, that's probably fine. I don't need to actually like, run the app and verify this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's bad. When you start relying on your tests to that yeah. extent where it's, you know, you, you, you feel that they replace the need for a human being to actually use mm. the thing that you're expecting human beings in, in the wild to use. Uh, and that to then, me is like then, the major trap of 100% code coverage. Yeah. It's a, it's a false sense of everything is fine. Um, if it says 100%, then it's going to work. It's just a lie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Luke, you've tweeted a lot about uh, kind of manual QA as well, right? Of like actual, you know, testers looking at an app and, and how important you think that is. I think, I think you've kind of said that you would rather have that than automated tests. Yeah, so that's a very extreme point of view. Um, but in saying that, what I really wanted to communicate is that, you know, let take take a Flutter developer who's got a side project, right? Um, and let's say the side project is, you know, an app that displays a timer for like sports use, right? Like some sort of like interval timer. Um, you know, you can write code coverage for that whole thing, or right before you ship your app, you can run through a set of human QA tests. And those human QA tests can take like five minutes, right? Mm. They don't have to be extensive. Um, and what's interesting is that when you do, well, first of all, there's a couple things. You can write human QA uh, test cases kind of like you would an integration test. You just describe what, essentially what you're trying to do. Like open the app, log in, you know, set a timer, save a timer, delete a timer, start a timer, and it beeps at the right time, right? That can be like 90% of a side project app, right? And you can do that in a minute, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But people just don't do it. I, I sincerely believe that people just don't do that. Um, and so if you can make 
human QA part of your quality control process and really document what you want to test. Um, I think it's critical. And the other reason I think it's critical is because um, human QA is the only thing that will find um, like new bugs. I know that's not totally true, but I'll give you an example. So like, let's say you open an app um, and some new feature has been built and it like doesn't look quite right, right? Or you look at it and you're like, okay, this is to spec, but I'm concerned that the spec isn't right. So you can actually like interrogate the spec kind of like as a human looking at it and being like, this doesn't feel right. I think it would feel better if, and then you can document that and then you can follow up on it, right? So if you're not doing any of that, you're missing huge opportunities um, to have like a human react to the actual product and then turn those into actionable changes. Yeah, I, th I think that's so important. I mm. um, So I, I wrote about, all this stuff um, on my blog recently, and I posted a link on the Flutter Dev subreddit, and I found a there was a comment that I found really interesting because one of the things that I uh, wrote in the blog post was that I believe that the way an app looks, it from from a testing test driven development point of view, uh, the way that an app looks is a is an implementation detail, um, and that trying to kind of lock in or verify the way that an app looks using automated tests uh, with the tools that we currently have available is like a huge waste of time um, because a human QA person can look at it and tell you whether or not it looks right and they'll have a much better uh, way of feeding that information back than, than a, a, an automated test could. And, and you know, golden testing is a possible solution to that problem but like i the the number of battles that i've had trying to get golden testing to work well at all in flutter is it's just the tools are just not there yet um agree. but but even if even if the tools were there i would i would question whether it's worth doing um and i i got told on reddit that maybe i should consider being a back-end developer uh, <laughs> right exactly <laughs> But so there's but definitely like, I, we definitely really have thought leaders in our space. We definitely have thought leaders in our space, and people like um, adhere to the religion of said thought leader, and then like spread religion in comments, mm. which I feel like might have been what you experienced there. Yeah, that is possible. Because because I, I I really do feel that um, when when you are if if you're doing a, a kind of test driven development flow or if you're writing tests in, in some way the test should be on the level of the behavior that the app is expect is expected to um, exhibit so as you say can you launch the app log in make the payment check out do all the stuff and like the way that the app looks shouldn't affect whether or not that test passes like if if your users can do the thing that they need to be able to do actually it doesn't super matter how the what the app looks like so to me the ui and the the design of it is an implementation detail that shouldn't um block whether tests pass or not um if that makes sense um i do think that that's that, a little bit extreme cuz like let's say you have a Let's say you've got an app, an app like Tonal's app is very heavily branded and um, mm. the fidelity of that brand is really important to us. 
Um, so that may that may be an example where you where the where the way it looks, um, you know, is business critical because it affects the brand. Um, but at the same time, I do think that there's some wisdom in saying that uh, having someone who's doing human QA who really understands the brand, who really understands the product, who really understands the whole context, looking through an app can get to a screen and say this does not look right. Um, in a way that the automated testing is just not able to do right now. Yeah. Like, am I really going to write a test for a, for a screen that checks the, the text size and the font of the mm, title right. and the subtitle That's a good example. are yeah. correct yeah. and that it's displaying the correct image in the background? And, and am I going to go into that level of ridiculous yeah. detail? No, no, nobody should do that. Um, and even in the I case do, of... Um, our flutter golden tests you know depending on the system that you're trying to run them on you'll get different results right yep. yeah we, we so have that you end up with a situation where every team who's operating at any kind of scale typically i've seen has a docker container that they use to generate and run their golden tests a linux docker container um Whoa. and like so that's just like you know just to just to make it all consistent you know what i mean um and even then it's not a hundred percent Right. Yeah, it's the the tooling for golden testing. I I know that there are lots of smart people working on it and trying to make it better. Um, but yeah, it's it's just not there yet, is it? Um, no, we had the very thing of of uh, it being different on different systems of uh, golden test working on our Macs, but then we had uh, Linux CI/CD boxes, which uh, yeah. the text rendering was different on. So we exactly. had to come up with a we, we've come up with an interesting kind of workaround slash hack um, of like not displaying text, but like rendering a color based on what the text is, so like converting wow. the text That's into wild. a color. It, it, so it like hashes yeah. it into a color exactly yeah yeah and it works it, it, it works but yeah it, that's you pretty know, smart um, it is pretty smart I, uh, yeah my my colleague came up with it and uh yeah he's where's, a, he's where's, a the, where's the package good question yeah sorry um uh, well i mean i'd much rather have it fixed so we actually are testing the actual test uh, text because uh you know that's what matters see what i wish we could have is instead of golden tests i wish we could uh, dump the widget tree metadata mm. and then just be able to um, exercise against that. I, I've thought yeah. about this. I mean, we could potentially just do that, um, but I feel like it might like change a lot between Flutter versions, like if you're dumping like the internal widget structure and things like that, but yeah. I feel like you should be able to get it on like the rendering side. I don't know what that mm. looks like, but it seems like yeah. something you should be able to do. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting idea. Mm. What do they yeah. do on front end on on the web? Because they have Isn't things it? like visual regression testing, which is a bit like golden testing, mm. right? Yeah, I I don't know. That's the other thing we should really do. Like we should look at other frameworks yeah, and like, see what they do. Surely, actually, I'm glad you brought this up because one of the yeah. things that I've noticed, and I think I had a co I made a comment about this on my Twitter, and it like blew up in a way that felt really odd, but essentially the idea was we need to get out more right so <laughs> yeah. i i think that i think that the flutter i really like the flutter community but um it's so insular i've noticed mm -hmm. that as i spend more time with people in the javascript community i learn about patterns and things that i just had never even heard of 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels a little frustrating that we are so insular in nature. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really dangerous because then you get into these echo chambers where yeah. um, where everyone just rallies around, oh, let's all use like block and get like 100% a good idea. coverage. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. If you show block to any React developer, they're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what is this?" <laughs> I think like, I we gave up this. on this. We about... gave up on this like six years ago. Yeah, I was thinking about why yeah. the Flutter community felt like it needed something like block, and I, I, th- I think what it, what it could come down to, and and maybe this is why I felt like I needed block initially when I started um, building Flutter apps because I I came from. Uh, Android development and the Android framework is is famously sort of weird and quite um, prescriptive in the way that you have to handle the state of a of a particular activity or fragment, which which is if you don't know that's that's a kind of represents a screen or a, a piece of UI in an Android app. Um, you have to essentially. You are basically required by the by the operating system and the framework to write view models for all your things. Um, there are other things that you can do um, that kind of achieve the same thing, but like view models, became, basically over the last few years, have become the the right way to do it. Basically, um, and uh, I think that a lot of Flutter developers coming from Android. Um, maybe didn't quite realize how how different flutter was and and that you don't need that kind of thing so you like you don't need to separate your business logic from your um ui layer um in in that kind of way but certain certainly i when i first came to it felt like okay so what's the equivalent of a view model in flutter oh it's block um so that's kind of certainly why i i adopted it in the first place um Potentially, looking back on it, I think that's probably what my brain did, and what a lot of other people's brains may have done. I, I, I think it's to me it's quite easy why why things become popular generally. It's because um, with state management at least, I think it's because of repeatability. If people feel that there is a pattern, no matter what the pattern is, that they can copy and they can paste and they can change this thing and this thing, um, even if it's not the best pattern, that uh, and, and patterns are good, right? Repeatability is mm. good. We shouldn't be coming up with a completely different state management every single time we make a new page. Um, but I, I, I feel like things become popular because they've got good documentation, because they're repeatable, and because they're popular. People choose the thing that is the most popular uh, without questioning it way too much. That happens so, so much. Yeah. I think people confuse popularity with something being battle-tested. You know, yeah. they're like, this is popular, therefore it's battle-tested, when I think that that's not always the case. I was going to say, a lot of people use this phrase production-ready, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what's, what's not production ready? Yeah, I if know, it's, right. If it's code and it works, then, right. then it's fine. I think fine. a good example of that, I ran into this recently. Um, so, you know, Hive is like very popular, right? Mm. Um, mm. But then you have SQLite, which has been around forever. And I don't think there's any engineer on the planet who would argue that SQLite is not battle tested. You know, it's like pretty <laughs> yeah. obviously battle tested. Do you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> it's, it's... why are we using Hive, 
right? Mm. Um, I mean, the guy who made Hive is extremely talented, but I would never trust a single person. I would never trust any single person to create like a database system that's as battle tested as SQLite, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I also think with Flutter, um, particularly with state management, we've had um, a fair amount of, you know, because Flutter is relatively new in the grand scheme of things, we've had a lot of people coming from other frameworks um, and maybe non-UI backgrounds and bringing... um, bringing complexity basically with them, bringing patterns that, that, that don't really fit within the Flutter world and then going, here's how we do things. And because it kind of looks good, it looks cool, it's a, it's a pattern, it's repeatable. People have been like, hooray, yeah, we recognize that from .NET or, or, or you know, Java or whichever enterprise framework that you want to mention. And, you know, I'm, I'm not dissing those frameworks. You can, you can write excellent code in, in either of them, but they both have a background of having people trying to be too clever and using reflection and all sorts of things and building IOC nonsense using reflection, which you just don't need. And that has been one of the biggest, you know, I love the fact that Flutter doesn't have reflection. It's so good. <laughs> it stops people bit trying to be too clever. Yeah. And, just wait and- until metaprogramming comes out. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Yeah, me too. Everyone seems so excited about metaprogramming, but I am. I'm scared. not excited about it at all. Um, I'm fearing metaprogramming. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I think people are going to be way too trigger happy with with um, what they do with metaprogramming. Mm, uh, yeah, and and I will inevitably jump on one of the bandwagons, uh, <laughs> kind of un, unwittingly, as I have unwittingly yeah. jumped on bandwagons before. Oh um, man, I'm yeah. going to do horrible, dirty things with metaprogramming. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But I'm afraid that it, I'm afraid for everybody that it's going to exist. Yeah, yeah. It's going to end up with way too many like mini frameworks, right? Of like of 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 like you join a new company and like it's kind of flutter, but like what the heck have yeah. you done? Like you built your own internal widget thing that is really exactly. clever and generates stuff based on haikus or something, you know? But. And, and, <laughs> I don't know. I've just invented that. Someone make that now into a package. Brilliant. Um, but but you know, yeah, I'm worried about that, and I feel that uh, yeah, I I would rather have some of the more simple things like records and and better data classes and Dart. Bef- I agree. 100%. Way before. Way if we before had good serializable data data classes, that's like ninety yeah. percent of what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. that's pretty much the only thing that I want from. Yeah. If if I don't have to run. A, Build command to mm. generate yeah. my data classes. Then I'm happy. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, yeah. can I ask what what you think the biggest mistakes in kind of like testing in terms of like writing automated test tests are? Like, because for for me, uh, let me just get my one out of the way. It's writing tests that you have to change too much. Right, writing tests that when you then change your code or refactor your code, you have to change the test because the test is way too linked to the code. Um, what, so I think this what is really interesting. Of- yeah, if you don't mind, I'm just going to tease apart the one that you just offered. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I find this really fascinating because people online will say things like, if you have to change your tests when you change your code, then you didn't mm-hmm. write good tests. And mm-hmm. I'm over here like, I have worked with a lot of really talented engineers and I have never in my life seen a test that automatically works with <laughs> whatever code you write. Like it just doesn't make that statement doesn't even make sense to me. Mm. In, interesting, but like like okay. Um, my, my example of that is 
Um, so, so with a, you know, let, let's take the widget test that does the Burger King order. Um, I could refactor the state management of the entire app, I think, and that test would still pass because it just pushes things on the page, right? It doesn't, it doesn't check if this view model calls this thing on this repository uh, because yes. that's silly. Like, like in general, I, I think doing basically integration testing when you own both the classes is largely pointless. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about where... right. But if I may make an argument, please do. You know, you could you could change you could change the statement. You could completely refactor everything except for the view mm -hmm. layer, right? And yep. the test would still pass. Yes. But you can't change anything in the view layer. Then the test will fail. So there is there is a section of your code base where that's not true, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's it's the section of the code that is uh, that is related to the behavior or, or the the requirements or the specification or the behavior that you're implementing, right? So if uh, if I have a test that checks that if I tap this button, I go to page A, um, then yeah, obviously the test is going to fail if I make that button go to page B instead. Um, but you want the test to fail if that changes because uh, the requirements have changed. If the, if the button takes you to a different page, that's a new requirement. I think... Right. Um, yeah, my, I, I, I'm kind of, I, I, I don't think, I don't think you could probably rip out and replace a state management solution without breaking any tests. If, if you're able to do that, I want to see your tests and. Stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I mean that, that is not the case. Just with, like with, with but, some of yeah. the high level tests, that that, that that's yeah. possible. I, I think. But like, yeah. if you if you wanted to, I, I think you're absolutely right. If you have a, a, a an implementation of a of a view uh, mm. that exhibits a particular behavior if you wanted to go in there and like introduce a repository class when there wasn't a repository class before like the mm -hmm. test shouldn't care that you've just introduced a repository class if the behavior remains the same i think mm. that's kind of what you're getting at right yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and some of the most useless type of types of tests to me are tests that uh you know basically first of all i i think generally mocking your own classes is pointless if you have a uh, if you have unit tests where you have basically a, 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 like, like mocks of all of your classes, that is just wasting everyone's time and and money and everything, um, and, and and checking that no, no customer is going to check that your view model calls get user on your repository. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. It, it's not a it, it's not a valid thing. It, it like just stop. Um, but but that's a pattern that, that loads of people have shown as a as a thing because they feel like it's important but it, it it just isn't just stop put it put it down and go outside um i think you should burn <laughs> makito and mako well, to the ground personally I, I i agree i i don't use you know i do not use either of them um and i just think that they are generally uh a bad thing like like you you need to take a step like, like sorry i just think if you're using them you need to take a step back and and see if there is a simpler way to test things in a in a more integrated way that actually tests that the system works together in yeah. fact i think that we should get rid of the no such method override because oh, yeah. it allows people to do just really horrible dirty things i i was fighting with that today yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a there's a youtuber who is extremely popular and he's written a bunch of books um and he 
does a lot of stuff on test-driven development and continuous delivery and integration on, and all this sort of stuff. And one of his big things is like, if you're doing test-driven development properly, then the design of your code should be driven or informed by the tests that you write before you write that code. And it and and it's like, well, hang on, that that flies in the face of everything that we want from tests, which is that they're not tied to the implementation, um, or the, or they're tied to the implementation as little as possible. If you're if you are allowing your tests to require your code to be written in a particular way, that's the opposite of what you want, surely. Um, I don't know if I'm like super misunderstanding what he's talking about, but no, no, that's completely a thing. Yeah. Like, like test-induced yeah. damage is a completely thing. Like, like I have seen, yeah. I have seen code bases which are like twice as complicated as they need to be just to allow people to test things which are pointless. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah, that's a real thing. Um, the way I think about this is, and I put things into little buckets because it helps my small brain work with it. Right, so. <laughs> Basically, if I've got something that's trying to parse a string and I know exactly like what the cases are, then I'll, I'll test, I'll TDD that, right? I'll, I'll set up a couple of cases, I'll create a function and I'll go yep. through and I'll make sure it passes all the cases. Absolutely. Um, so in that case, it's both designing, not designing the implementation, but it's designing essentially like the result, right? Mm-hmm. Um, designing an API or... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, if I've run into a situation, I'll, I'll make something up, right? So company says, okay, we need to start doing, um, you know, peer-to-peer video, right? Or video chat, right? There may be 10 different services out there that do video chat, right? And video chat is inherently pretty straightforward. You're like, let's connect to this person and let's essentially mute ourselves, turn on and off our camera and then end the call. So you can describe that in like a pretty straightforward interface. So maybe I want to... Um, constrain that interface um, and make it so that I can swap out those services. But as I'm saying this out loud, if I'm rubber ducking this, you don't even necessarily need tests for that because you can just do that with an interface, right? Um, so in that case, maybe you don't even need tests for that. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing of the uh, people making stuff way too complicated just in case you're going to swap out a component. Like one, you're probably not going to, and two, okay, change your code if you do. Like, like, <laughs> right? Just you know, oh, what if we change our database? Well, how often does that happen? And you, and it, you won't just be able to swap it out. Like, no, I don't believe anyone has ever in a, in a complicated app swapped out the back the, the backend database and had everything exactly. just work. It's and not if you have thing. to, is it so terrible to create an adapter class? And the answer is no, yeah. it's not terrible. No. I think the one exception to that is we're, we're probably quite um, well insulated from those kinds of massive changes um, when we're mm-hmm. writing mobile apps. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the example that I have actually come across um, with this is uh, a backend team who had to uh, rewrite a bunch of like payment logic because they switched from one payment provider to another. And they were all saying at that time, oh, I wish we'd, we'd abstracted the payment layer out and... and made it you know done done the um the strategy pattern or whatever to make sure that we could um we could easily swap these out um i i I think particularly with payment providers where like it's often a business decision to change which which one you're going to use uh you know it's it's probably worth abstracting that 
but yeah, in a in a in a mobile app, you're probably fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, I, think I was thinking about this just actually. to call out is um, I think it's important to call out that we have so many different sectors of software engineering, um, mm. and you can take inspiration from other sectors, but you maybe shouldn't just copy their practices wholesale. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is my holy like there, there is no such thing as a software developer, right? Like it, it, you you get these people coming along and going all software developers should do TDD and it's just nonsense. It depends on what you are making. Like like you know full on 3D video games are always going to need manual testers, right? You're never going to be able Absolutely. to write you're never going to be able to write a test that checks whether you can rescue the princess from the castle in every possible way. You're always going to need I someone to sit there. guarantee down. Skyrim has zero automated <laughs> tests. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how buggy that thing is. And, and um, I think, yeah, when, yeah. When, when people start doing that, that's when you, uh, you sort of get to the place where uh, people introduce complexity. I, I actually was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think that we are extremely lucky in in mobile and in Flutter particularly. Um, it's really really easy compared to something like well most front end frameworks and most back end frameworks. The the fact that we don't have to write JavaScript every day is like a miracle because JavaScript is horrible and it just causes so many problems just just by existing. Um, <laughs> We are so lucky to have Dart as a programming language to work with every day. Um, the fact that we don't have to work with uh, PHP, which is not, or maybe maybe might be statically typed now, but I don't think was recently. And all, and all these frameworks, which are so uh, kind of esoteric and have have so many of their own quirks that you that are impossible to learn unless you just use them for five years and just figure things out. I think in in mobile and in Flutter we are extremely lucky that most of the time things just work and are quite easy to learn, um, mm. and a lot of the solutions that people come up with for you know how to how to architect software and how to test software and how to structure software and, and all that those those strategies and those solutions are designed for frameworks that are so hard to use that they're almost impenetrable and they <laughs> make life easier for developers who are working with those frameworks and those languages we don't need it in in flutter mm. and dart most of the time because mm. what we're doing is largely extremely simple um but i think people come into flutter as you said tom from these other places and think oh no correct software development requires that you have six architecture layers and uh, you have to write an interface for every mm. every class and all the rest of it. And it's like okay, maybe maybe you have to do that in Laravel, but <laughs> you know, in Flutter it's probably fine. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think we're so lucky um, to have yeah we are to have something that's so easy. Yeah, and uh, simple. Ultimately, that is what I love about Flutter yeah. that it, it is simple. Um, yeah, yeah. I, of, I often feel absolutely terrible at my job because I I work. I'm I'm obviously on the mobile team writing Flutter apps, but I'm surrounded by people writing Nuxt apps uh, for front end, and then Laravel apps for back end. And I just I feel so terrible sometimes because they're spending like hours every day reviewing pull requests because there are so many different ways to do things, and you know it's it's much easier to do things 
badly or do things wrong in these frameworks. Whereas in, in Flutter, if you have a good linter and do some static analysis and write some tests, then it's like, who needs pull requests, really? If it yeah. builds, it ships. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> the, there, are, there are not many wrong ways to do things. If I, re- I, really think, I really think so. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether that's just me being lazy because I can't be bothered to review pull requests properly. But like, I very rarely have feedback on pull requests. It's just like, yeah, it looks fine. It's you writing dark code that's formatted correctly because you've got a linter installed. <laughs> So, <laughs> like, what, what else do you want? It, yeah, it is pretty amazing how much actually gets caught by the static analysis um, beforehand. Mm, it's yeah. it's an alarming, it's an it's alarmingly good at constraining code quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, if you if if you're listening and you are a Flutter developer and you've never tried writing uh, JavaScript, go try and write some JavaScript and and get something to format it to make it look nice. Um, You'll you'll find that the tools are much harder. Why are there multiple syntaxes for JavaScript? Like, why is it that I can go on Stack Overflow and Google um, and, and and search for a solution to a problem, copy and paste the code into my JavaScript app, and and my you know JavaScript compiler or build thing will be like, oh no, sorry, you can't do that because you're you're not using the ES6 syntax and they're using the ES6 syntax, and it's like, why are there more? Why is there more than one? <laughs> Why isn't it just JavaScript? I feel like, we're I feel well like off writing topic, JavaScript yeah. is like flying to Ibiza and going on a seven-day bender. You know, like everything's <laughs> just like really insane. And there's like a thousand things going on and like nothing works, but it's like really fun. That's like how I, that's like how I experience writing JavaScript. Yeah, and you get a home. different experience to JavaScript yeah. than me. You get home and everyone's like, "How how was your trip to Ibiza?" And you were like, oh, "You're like, I'm not gonna talk." No about idea. It. We we yeah, did it. Right. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Look, we are we are mm. uh, pretty much over the time that we said mm. that we were gonna do. So I I think we'll probably leave it there. But this is this has been. This has been very fun. We have agreed more yes. than I thought we were going to. Yeah, I think, I think it's so important. This is why why I wrote this blog post um, because I think it's so important that we start to have these discussions in within the Flutter community about actually actually using our brains and thinking about how we do things as mm-hmm. opposed to just following. Hundred um, percent. You know, drinking as as you said at the very beginning, drinking the VGV Kool Aid. Um, lots of love <laughs> for VGV. Or any Kool Aid, really? But, or any Kool Aid? Yeah, like yeah. Um, we we have to be better as a community about thinking critically yeah. about how yeah. we do things and not just it, yeah following the yeah, question doesn't... everything. Even yeah, yourself. question everything. Yeah, and it it's that changing my attitude to it has. Uh, helped me to write my code much faster and have much more fun while I'm doing it and I think it's uh, it's always worth taking a step back every so often mm. to make yeah. sure you can uh, see the see the wood and not just yeah. the trees Yeah, to use a metaphor well, that I've never fully understood <laughs> <laughs> come to me and you'll understand it immediately it's all forest <laughs> <laughs> or, or, fin- or Finland, like yeah, no, they're, right, they're very Finland. similar. <laughs> I had a um, friend uh, in high school that moved from Finland, and he was like, "It's like home, but it's not." It Finland. is. Yeah. I've been to Maine. It, it, it look, it's it's lovely, and it, it's um, it, they are and very similar. We also have great strawberries. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, it, we do have great, great strawberries. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, and I, I feel like we have agreed so much that I now kind of want to say, if you're listening and you've been shouting at your radio, no, this isn't radio, you've been shouting at your headphones, like, uh, come come and argue with us. Yeah, <laughs> come and, be honest. Come and, yeah, come and, absolutely. Come and <laughs> fight us. Guest. No, hang on, that's, that's too much. But like, you know, I... No, I'd, no, I will I'd... fight people over TDD. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, in that place. I'm now fully entrenched <laughs> in my open-minded view. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, perfect. Like, like, but like, like that, you know. I'd love to. I, I'd love to have um, people on who disagree with us, and you know, we can. Uh, we, we, you know, talk to question. You, you know, if you disagree, come and talk to us. Um, we, we'll try and figure out why you think that and why we think differently. And you, you know, um, I, yeah. I, I'm oh, quite endless quest for flutter truth. Who thought yes. that when we started this silly podcast that we would be flying the flag for the quest for Flutter Truth? Oh, we're on like a quest for the holy, for the yeah. holy grail of, yeah. of Flutter. This is it. This is it. Yeah. We want to find the right way to do it. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Luke. Yeah. It's been thank a you pleasure. So much. Thank you. Really appreciate um, it. Thank and you for the opportunity. Of course. Uh, if you're listening, thank you so much for mm-hmm. bearing with us for the past 56 yep. minutes um, yep. and uh, we hope to see you next time if you are listening on Apple Podcasts there's a button that um, lets you know, lets us know that you liked it and if you could press that we will love you forever uh, if you're not using <laughs> Apple Podcasts uh, <laughs> um, we are all on we are all on Twitter uh, I am at Put a Brunt on Twitter, which, as I explain every time, is my name without it all, with with all the vowels taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom is Tom Gilder, which is his name with all the vowels still in it. Uh, and Luke, are you just Luke Pigetti? I'm Luke with underscore all the vowels still in it. Ah, okay. There's an underscore. Okay, so we yeah. got one with no vowels, one with vowels, and one with an underscore. Perfect. You got it. Uh, okay, we will leave it there. Thank you for listening, everyone, yep. and we'll see you next time. Hopefully, it won't be so long this time.